This is the Do You Cash Flow podcast, the place to learn a variety of ways that everyday people like you cash flow, with your hosts, Luke Barber and Kyle Balif. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and share it with someone you feel would benefit from it. All right, today we are on with Chris Miles from moneyripples.com, and we're going to be talking about infinite banking. And we've already done one episode on infinite banking. Well, Kyle, Kyle did uh, already, and uh, I've we're we're both have done infinite banking, and I have just uh, we were talking with Chris just a minute ago before we started recording, and I'm super excited to have Chris on to pick his brain and find out so much more about infinite banking because I know enough to know that it's amazing. And that's all. <laughs> and so, uh, but Chris is going to talk to us about how we can maximize our ROI through infinite banking. Well, I think to start, we should explain what you're talking about. What is infinite banking? And Chris wants to start that off. Great idea. Yeah. I mean, really infinite banking is, it's, it's you, it's, many people have different philosophies about what it really is, but ultimately it's about using like life insurance products, like whole life insurance, using that as like this tax-free supercharged savings account, right? Yes. Um, the ability to be able to store your cash, but get this double dip effect where you can not only have your cash growing tax-free, come out tax-free and everything else, but you can also take that money, especially with a real estate investing, you can take that and invest it wherever the heck you want and be able to make, make money over there too. And so it's kind of like a way to have your cake and eat it too, right? Because you can yes. make money with the real estate while getting a line of credit against that policy, that cash that's in there because they unlike term insurance, which is just death insurance, right? You have to die to get it. Whole life, although it has a death benefit, also has this living benefit called cash value, which is their savings component. And that's the money you can actually get a line of credit against while the money's still there earning tax-free dividends. You're able to take that money and leverage it and, and invest it at the same time, making your money work in two places at the same time. And so as I like to tell people, it's kind of like that supercharged tax-free savings account, you know, where you know, you make a lot more than point nothing percent in your bank account, um, but you're uh, and you're also not getting taxed on money too. Yep, absolutely. And so, <clears throat> yeah, there's there's so many questions here, but I mean, I've I've been researching it and doing quite a bit with it because, uh, as I mentioned, I I'm setting up my second my second policy today, and I guess without delving it, like you you did a really good concise description of it, but. I guess what I'm, so now that I'm getting my second policy going, what, what I want to talk to you a little bit more about, and, you know, because I feel like people can research this a little bit more on their own, um, and we can talk about other specifics and whatever about it too, but, so I'm really interested in kind of your thoughts on the ROI side of it, on the return on investment, and how, like, ideas that you have with, with getting yeah. more and better return on investment with doing this. Absolutely. Well, let me give you a little bit of background where I'm coming from perspective wise, because that's kind of leads up to why they're, they're de They should be designed a different way than what you usually hear about when you hear about infinite banking. Okay. Um, I, you know, 20 years ago, I started out as a traditional financial advisor, uh, you know, AKA salesman in a suit right, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> telling you on how to, you know, save everything, spend nothing, save it forever in crappy mutual funds. So hopefully someday you have something. Right. right. And, and I taught that for four years. And then, I, but again, I'm one of those guys that like evidence. You know, I like to know that things work. Yeah. And as time went on, I started to have, you know, doubts. I really started to wonder, would people become financially free? Because you put in the real stock market returns, they're like, at best, 
seven to eight percent actual average yield, not average based on you know where the negative. You know, I won't get into all the whole negative positive, but the whole ten and twelve percent thing is not true. Like the way you put it into calculators doesn't work well that way. Mm-hmm. So if you're only making seven or eight percent, and you know, of course, we have inflation that's higher than what the government claims. No, you know, no shock there. Yeah. Um, you start putting these things together, you really can't retire easily, at least not beyond like maybe a lower, like a lower class to maybe lower middle class lifestyle. It's right. almost impossible, right? Yeah. I even have a client recently that came to me. He's like, he's got three million bucks. He's fifty-two years old, and the the financial advisor said, "Well, keep going. Like, yeah, at this rate, maybe you'll be able to retire by sixty-five. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, I had another client that, that she, that she's like, why well, would I retire before 65? And he's like, okay, I gotcha. 59 and a half it is, you know, thinking like that's going to be a, a big favor to her. And, uh, so, I mean, I, I found that stuff wasn't working. And of course, when the students ready to teach her peers, um, a guy actually trained to be a financial advisor left to go do real estate investing. Uh, he's the one that kind of opened my eyes to what was possible and focusing on cash flow versus just accumulating money. Right. Yeah. Um, and so learning that stuff, I was actually able to become financially independent when I was 28, almost 29 years old back in 2006. Okay. Um, so I, so I quit being a financial advisor, but I would never teach that again. I was just a mortgage broker for a little while in 2006 because, you know, anybody could be a mortgage broker back then. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, 2007 came out to teach people how to do what I did. Um, you know, I won't go through all the details, but I mean, I actually went to the recession, got my butt kicked, went from millionaire to upside down millionaire. I didn't file for bankruptcy, but I did have to dig my way back out of a million dollar plus debt hole and uh, was able to pay that back and become financially independent the second time by the end of 2016 when I was 39. Um, So I'm first and foremost an investor, uh, secondly, business, you know, business owner. And then the infinite banking side of things, like I I learned that first in 2006, you know, from a bunch of these real estate investors. Right. Right. But it was a traditional form of infinite banking. It was like, Hey, put your money in here. This is like stuff like, um, like one of my good friends, uh, you know, Kim Butler, if you've ever read some of rich dad, poor dad's books, she's one of the co-authors. She actually sold him his whole life policy. Right. Um, you know, like, so I, I got to know her and stuff, even had her on my podcast and things like that. Um, but they come from a very traditional way of using infinite banking, which is more like a way to, to, to replace the bank, right? They say, Hey, you can, you can pay off your mortgage with this. You can pay off your car loans and just buy everything in cash. Yes. It's kind of a Dave Ramsey-esque way of doing it, okay. right? Yep. The problem is, of course, if we're an investor, we know that Dave Ramsey stuff doesn't really work. <laughs> it kind of sucks, right? Uh-huh. Um, but it's it's nice for those people that are very Dave Ramsey, you know, like big into it. And then they're trying to introduce whole life where Dave Ramsey hates whole life. And for uh-huh. good reason, because that traditional way of doing it, like they talk about, actually, I, in my opinion, sucks. Because that's the first policy I bought in 2006. I bought a couple of them, actually. And then when the recession hit, because there wasn't any real cash in them, I lost them. I put in 25 grand into those policies to only have a few hundred bucks. I got eaten alive and when I couldn't afford to make the payments, and I lost it all. I mean, I would have been better off buying just a cheap term, right? Okay. Um, and that's the debate every investor has because they think, oh, well, I can just make my money better elsewhere. Why do I have to pay all these stupid insurance costs when I can do that? Um, and so, and I remember I asked the guy, I said, Hey, aren't there ways I can manipulate this? Cause remember I was insurance licensing when I bought a policy from another guy. I said, well, can I like overfund this or do this or do that? And his answer was no. He said, Nope, you can't because it'll become taxable. Well, I found out later it was a complete lie. I had a two hour debate with him in my office and, uh, and what it came down to is he said, Chris, I can't afford to cut my commissions back the way you're talking about designing these. And I said, 
man, that is why you'll never get a single referral from me again. And, uh, and so I kind of spent the next decade or so perfecting it. Um, and so after I became financially independent, flash forward to, you know, 2016, 2017, an investor came to me, I introduced him to him, him to that concept. He loved it. He said, Chris, can you teach my people how to do it? Right. And, and as I started to really get into it, um, I even told him, I said, listen, I don't want to do this unless it takes, if it takes more than five or 10 hours a week, I'm out (laughs) because I'm enjoying working five hours a week right now. Um, but you know what, when I started to see things, just like we talked about before we went on the air, I mean, even guys that are reputable, infinite bankers, like they're known for it. Right. And it's not that they do a bad job. They just don't do the best job. Okay. And what happens is that it can cost you literally hundreds of thousands of dollars in extra fees and costs because that's where they make their livelihood. They'll, they'll say, well, I know I maybe if they know how to do design it better, they say, well, I could, but I get paid less. So I'm going to give them something good, but just not the best. So at least we both win, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I even had a guy, uh, he's one of my friends who owns a turnkey real estate rental company, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he bought one from a guy that I knew. And I said, that guy's a schmuck. Like, don't buy that policy. Like, I guarantee you it's a ripoff for you. Mm-hmm. Well, he bought it anyways. Six years later, he came to me and said, Chris, you're right. Like, I only have half the money I've put in in the last six years. And, uh, and I said, no, but by the fifth year, by about the fifth year, you should have just as much money as what you've paid into it. It should not break even by year, you know, like in that guy's case, like past year 10. Um, most infinite bankers will do it like year seven. Like if you put in 10,000 a year, right, you should have at least 70,000 by year seven. Right. Um, but in truth, it should actually be 50,000 by year five. Um, and you should only have about maybe 20% or so coming out in cost in the first year. Um, and that's what I've been finding is that more and more of these guys are out there and they're getting people these policies. And, and I, and I have, have a client right now where they were putting in uh, about 150,000 a year. And I, and I showed them apples, apples, even after they've already been paying into it, they're already past the point where they got past the big fees, even by replacing it and moving it to another policy with, you know, brand new fees starting over. We're still in 20 years able to make them about two and a quarter million more doing the same exact thing dollar for dollar, just designed better. And that's why, I have to distinguish it. I call mine more max ROI infinite banking versus just the traditional infinite banking that you see out there. Wow. Okay. Sorry, I'm wrapping my head around all that. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was a lot I gave you. But, that is. Uh, no, that's great. I mean, that, that's what uh, people keep asking. They're like, well, why don't you retire? I'm like, well, one, I can't just not do anything. But yeah. two, like, I just get pissed. Like, yeah. for yeah. lack of a better word, I just get pissed. It's the same reason why, you know, we also have a consulting side of our company where we do like anti-financial advising, right? Where we help people create a game plan to get out of the rat race doing passive investing, right? Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, we do, it's the same thing because every time I see a financial advisor that sells people on that somehow mutual funds are going to work or 401ks, it's crap. Like all the yeah. traditional stuff that a financial advisor sells you doesn't work. It's garbage. So yeah. you, need these alter- you need these alternative investments. And that's the same thing with this whole life is you can't expect it. Like everybody sells you, even on the infinite banking side, they'll say, look, in 20 years or 30 years, you have this supplemental retirement income tax-free, like a Roth IRA, but no limitations, which is true. But what about, what if I could use that money from day one? Right. Right. What if I could use that money and invest it in real estate and do all these other things I'm doing right. and now I'll make massive better returns. Than I would just use my normal savings account. You know, right. that's, and that's the thing that I love. Like, cause, cause let me give you an example. Um, I was showing this to a bunch of investors, I mean, a couple, you know, mastermind groups with real estate investors. And I was showing one, like if you buy an apartment building where you put 
a quarter million dollars down, right? It's a million dollar apartment building. You put down 25%. Yep. Um, and you use the, the policy to do that. So the cash you have building that policy, yep. use the money from there to put as a down payment. And I said, hey, if we got a 0.2% savings account, Lottie freaking da, after nine years, after taking that, to say it was only 2,500 a month of net profit getting from the property, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, from after nine years, you'd only made an extra about 1,800 bucks in interest. But by using my policy and what happens that, see, the policy is still growing tax-free, making like four or five plus percent a year tax-free, right? Uninterrupted Um, interest, right? Compound. Uninterrupted interest. But right now I can get bank lines of credit against it for 3%, that even that low. Yeah. And so if I can get a bank line of credit 3% and, uh, and yeah, I'm still paying the interest on it. The difference between them, I still make instead of, you know, maybe 1800 bucks on the savings account side. Uh, instead, I'm making about 145 grand mm-hmm. over those nine years, right? Yep. So it's 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 literally about a hundred times more of a return in about a decade than what I would make with a savings account. And so if it's designed the right way, again, if this was done, you know, the, the typical way that you do it, the returns wouldn't be nearly as good. But uh, but doing it, you know, doing it the right way, where you get the lowest cost possible, lowest death benefit and allowing you to get the max return out of it so that the costs don't drag that policy down and, and keep you from investing that money faster, uh, you, you can make way more money that way. Okay. And so what about, <clears throat> I'm thinking, so uh, as I mentioned, I, I just I just literally today, Doc, you signed you know, my, my second policy. And, um, and before I signed it, it was showing kind of a breakdown of, you know, here's what your cash value is going to be. Here's how much you're going to put in mm-hmm. here's year five, 10, 20 or 15, 20, whatever. Here's how much death benefits going to be and so forth. So is all of that when they give me that, that's accurate, isn't it? Or is that just a projection? It's definitely a projection, right? Okay. Um, but it's projection still based on the way it's designed. I'll, I'll tell you, it's not even about the company you use, even though, the, the, well, it is about the company if it means getting better uh, cost design, right? The cost of the policy is what is what either will make or break the policy more than any, whether this company or the type of product. Um, I, I've had people even use the same exact company and product as me and still their numbers suck, right? Uh-huh. Because they just don't design it well. And again, insurance companies don't teach you to design, design it well because it, it manipulates their system, right? right. You, you, it's something that you have to really discover for yourself, sadly enough. Um, but when you do it, I mean, it's it's great. And so, like I said, like you, you should have a policy that if you're contributing for five years, even with their projections, you should still have just about as much money as you paid into it by that fifth year, right? So if you're putting in 20000 a year by year five, you should have about $100,000 in there. If you have less, right. you're most likely paying too much. And the younger you are, the higher that number should be. Right, too. right. Because, yeah, more time. Yeah, more time to, yeah, grow. Um, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look at that. We're gonna have to talk after this. <laughs> but um, so you you do you do a lot of educating then? I'm I'm assuming on on all of this. Yeah, yeah, I do a lot of education. Like I put it up on YouTube. I've got my my podcast, the Chris Miles Money Show, that I do. I've got like almost 600 episodes on that show. And oh wow! <laughs> so there's always education. There's always things to do, and and that's and that's ultimately like my passion. That's the thing I love is just educating and and just really just killing a lot of these myths and teaching truth. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of the reason for our podcast is to kind of help people learn how to cash flow and get as many people on here as we can that can help people do that. So the education is definitely a passion of mine as well. Um, 
but speaking of that, coming back to this, I, you got a question, did you? Well, kind of. So I, but I didn't want to detract from what you were going to do. I, what I wanted to ask, and then you decide if uh, you want to ask yours next, um, was like, what would you say to somebody who was going to start, who has like no, I mean, obviously you'd educate them as we talked about, but if they had no prior knowledge of this, you would educate them. What would be your suggestion for somebody getting started? But do you want him to go into that before you ask? Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. All right. So Kyle's going to ask you something else in a minute. But so that's my question is, you know, rewind two years ago, rewind two years ago, and I don't have anything and you educate me on it. I'm like, yeah, this sounds good. How, how would you encourage? So again, for our listeners, right? How would you encourage somebody mm-hmm. who knew nothing about this? You educate them. They're like, yep, I'm sold on it. I want to do it. What, what would be your best, you know, advice, I guess, for somebody to get started? First and foremost, well, the best thing would be is, is really just, you know, set up a meeting, right? Like set up a meeting, yeah. run numbers right then and there. Um, the, the, here's one thing that another thing that just drives me nuts about a lot of insurance guys. A lot of them won't even give you the, the numbers until after you've already went and applied for the policy. They'll just say, Oh, you should just go apply for the death benefit. And then when we get approved, then I can show you the numbers. Right. Uh-huh. And that shouldn't be the case at all. We can show you that right here, right then and there before you even apply, what the numbers should look like, you know, again, we have to confirm and make sure you get the same health rating or whatever. Right. But, yes. but ultimately you should be able to know going up front, there should be no mystery going into it. Okay. Um, so that's, that's what we do and try to design it. And, and a lot of times I'll tell you that the, the cool thing is that again, because we're not focusing on the death benefit, right? We're not right. trying to say, Hey, let's get this much. I mean, we could, if something really is it's important to them, right? but we're more looking at, Hey, what's the minimum death benefit needed to allow X amount of dollars to go in as a max per year. Um, and so that's what we look at. We just try to figure out like, what's that right number for you? What's the biggest max by the way with the max. And this is, of course depends on your age, but when we find the max, so like, for example, I had somebody who said, Chris, I'm, I'm putting away like 5,000 a month, 60,000 a year. How much should I put into this? Right. Cause that's what I'm trying to save towards doing real estate investing. Yeah. And I said, well, we shouldn't be putting in 60,000 a year because <laughs> You know, even if that's the max and that's not the required amount, I said, let's go a little bit under. So let's be a little conservative. Let's say it's 50,000 a year you put in, right? Okay. And then from there, the, the cool thing is the minimum uh, is roughly only about 10,000 or so. Right. So that's the actual required amount to put in. So even if you're putting away 5,000 a month, well, cool. Within a couple months, you basically could already have as much going in. Oh, another key pointer, if you want to save money in your policy, don't pay monthly. Pay annually, you'll save more money too. Um, that's another thing that kills your ROI is when you pay monthly, it makes the agent more money, but it makes you less. So just little things like that, when you run those numbers and you can see them up front, it makes it so much simpler. So that's what I recommend is run the numbers, find out what's really comfortable, um, going in up front and then you apply for the policy. Okay. That, yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Cause I, I didn't know that my first one that I started, I did it monthly. And then the second one, I'm doing it on a yearly basis. I think yours is on a yearly basis, right, Kyle? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, saves you much more. Just like auto insurance or homeowners insurance, where they say, "Hey, you get a discount if you pay annually." Yeah. Imagine what's like when you're paying into like the five, ten, twenty, hundred thousand plus range a year into a life insurance policy. It's it's much more amplified. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. So what what uh, what what kind of fees are we talking about? Right. Like, say you put in yeah ten grand a year and you do it on a yearly basis. Um, like, what what are you looking at? in fees for something like that typically, cause they just take it out. Right. I mean, you don't even really ever yep. see it. It's just, you That's just right. get a statement. Right. And it's like, well, here's how much is in your account. Like how much are you yeah. talking? How much are, you, are we talking fees wise that they're 
taking out. So here's the key thing that's important to remember with, with whole life insurance. It's different than like term insurance or even universal life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we can come back to universal life in a second because that's something I used to sell and realized that was even worse, uh-huh. <laughs> a worse idea. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, but with whole life, it's front-loaded costs, right? So like term insurance, which most of us have bought or have some version of, you know, term insurance gets more expensive over time. Whole okay. life is the opposite. It's front-loaded and it gets cheaper over time, right? Um, and that's been always the, the negative with the whole life. And it is especially set up like the way I first set up a policy with that I lost, you know, both policies that I lost, right, during the recession uh-huh. is because they were front loaded with those costs. A normal whole life policy in the first two years, 100% of your money comes out in fees. So if you're putting in normal policy, if you put in 10000 a year, by the second year, you put in the second, second 10000 or 20000 total, you're lucky to maybe have a couple hundred bucks, right? The way that we design it to get the max ROI, that first year you put in 10,000, you should have about 8,000 bucks in there from day one that you could access. Okay. Uh, by the year two, uh, that number should increase to roughly almost like almost uh, $17,000 by year two, right okay. around there. Okay. Um, so that's, that's kind of the goal that you want to be. So rather than having zero or almost zero in year two, you, know, you should have closer to like, you know, almost 85% of whatever you've put into it by that point. That's yeah. the ideal. Yeah. The cool thing is by year three, um, depending on the situation, by at least year three or year four, it's paying for itself. So you could technically pay nothing into it and it would still keep growing. <laughs> even, even, <laughs> with even, just a t- even with just a $10,000 year investment? Yeah, yeah. You could, oh, I mean, wow. what you could do is, I had, I had a guy do this because he said, okay, Chris, like I want to just pay this for four years and then be done. But technically, like with companies, they want you, they need you to pay at least seven years. And so I said, well, we got to still pay at least those next three, but we could borrow from the cash to then put it right back in. It's like pulling out your savings account and then put it back in your savings account. Right. Right. And so I said, well, let's do, let's see that. And so he said, well, let's make it a hundred thousand a year for years five through seven. So a hundred thousand years going in for four years and then year five, six and seven, he borrows a hundred thousand the month before it's due and then puts it back in. Right. Yeah. The cool thing is, even though it was like around three hundred eighty thousand in year four, by year seven it was like four hundred twenty thousand. <laughs> so, oh, wow. even though and he didn't pay any interest towards the loan or anything, he borrowed it. He let the loan interest accumulate against it. Um, that's a cool thing. You don't have to pay the loan. You can pay it back however, whenever you want. Uh, right. The deadline, the balloon payments at death. Right. So right. you don't even have to pay back the loans. Right. And so even then, he still made money even without having to put a dime into it after year four. Wow. Yeah, and then any interest or whatever that accrues all just comes out of the death benefit at the end, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, that's kind of a cool way if you ever want to disinherit your kids, just start pulling out a lot of the cash <laughs> that you know you borrow against it, and and then you, that they just pay off, you know, pay that loan off when you die, and, and the right. remainder of the death benefit gets paid to your estate. Right. Huh. Oh man, so many things going through my head right now. What What did you want to ask him, Kyle? If you talk. Well, so my question is. So you set up these policies and the whole goal, from what I understand, from the one I set up, set up, is you're putting your money in there to take it out and then take it back out and then put it in something else so that you can get a higher return. Um, yeah. For example, what I have done is I'm in year three and I've taken about 15, around 15 out and put it in, basically lent it out for a real estate deal. So I was making another 12% on the money. 
Um, is there mm-hmm. other things that you do? So when you talk to a client, I'm assuming that you have a, you set up a whole plan for them, not only to set up the policy, but what are we going to do? How are we going to use this policy? What are, am I on the right path here with what you guys do? And is there other rounds you tell them to do other than just real estate to get the highest return? Yeah. I mean, definitely outside of, of doing the, the policies, right? Like if someone wants to bring us on as a consultant to help them strategize and figure out like, okay, now what do I do with it? Now, if someone wants to access the money, it's easy, you know, when, when they use us for the insurance side, like, you know, piece of cake, either if it's through the insurance company, you either call the insurance company directly or you shoot us an email and we make the request for you and you have the money in about a week. Um, once you surpass 50,000 with cash in there, you can even start getting banks where they set up a line of credit for you that just directly links to your checking account. So you can just transfer back and forth all you want. Um, and you don't even need us. <laughs> so that's easy. But yeah, for those that want to get more strategic, they're like, yeah, okay, great. I've got this money, but you know, which, you know, which alternative investments do I look at? Am I looking at getting rentals? Am I, you know, and, and if, you know, if they're more of a passive investor, am I doing syndications? Am I doing, you know, things with like oil or whatever it might be um, versus those are active investors. They usually know what they want to do with it. They're going to, you know, go and they're either they're doing it with wholesaling or they're doing it with flipping or whatever they might be doing. I mean, there's so many different strategies you can use with it. Um, but that's the great thing is that someone ever asks, hey, Chris, I'm thinking about doing this with it. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, we can give you that perspective because there are some investments that work better with this than others. Um, I, I would say right off the bat, anything that gives you a regular stable cash flow is a no-brainer. Great to use with this. Short-term, even short-term hard money lending works great. Um, now if it's something saying, Hey, this might take five years before I get paid a dime on this investment. Yeah, it could work, but you may not care as much because now you're now, now instead of paying simple interest on this loan, now you have this compounding interest working against you and against your policy. You may or may not want to do that, but I mean, it's always an option, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I have a question. So we kind of brought up Dave Ramsey before, right? And his kind of his uh-huh. whole thing is, is getting out of debt, right? Which is fine other than not all debt is bad and all those, you know, uh, exactly. things. But, um, so, so I just have a question for you as far as mine goes. Um, so I'm getting the second one set up, you know, I have like one high interest loan and then, but, but then like my car loan, for example, I, I've been thinking to myself, you know, oh, I want to pay off all my debt. Right. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I also know, well, my car loan's only on like a 2%, you know, interest rate. So if I can be loaning it for yeah. 10 or 12, that would be better, you know, cause my car just barely bought the car, you know, it's a $50,000 note, whatever. And well, 45 and, uh, and so I'm like, well, there's no sense in me paying that off. I mean, I could with this policy, I'm saying yeah. if I could pay it off, but then you know, sure, I can pay myself back at a higher interest rate or whatever, but it would make more sense to obviously, you know, invest in a real estate thing at 10 or 12% or whatever. And then, you know, whatever I'm making back from yeah. that, then I can put it. But anyway, so I was just going to kind of get your, your two cents on that. I mean, like as far as paying off debt goes, you know, with, with a policy like this, right. Cause not, not everybody I think who gets into this, I, I would guess, well, I don't know. You'd probably have a better idea of the percentage, but I would guess there's a lot of people who get into this and start doing infinite banking that, that mm-hmm. may not even be privy to real estate stuff, right? They just hear about it and they're like, yeah, that makes sense uh, to do that. And it, it helps me to, to recapture that interest and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, as far as real estate goes, like they're not even into it, right? They're just doing it just for generational wealth or whatever. So they might, yeah. In that respect, what, you know, what are your thoughts on doing it to pay off some of, you know, some debt? Right. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Like for just a personal person, right? Like me. Yeah. 
I mean, to kind of go with the one comment you said there too, I mean, people will use it for different reasons. I mean, they might use it as an alternative to their 401k because yeah. 401k, you still got to wait till you're 59 and a half or older before you're accessing it. Right. Where if they say, hey, my goal is to retire at 50, 401k is actually putting money there is costing me my freedom. Like I should not put it there. That's the wrong vehicle for my goal. Right. If my goal is 50, maybe I want to do this instead, right? And then use this to invest however I want, you know, right? Yeah. Um, I also have people using this as a replacement for 529 college savings plans because um, they, they're like, wait, these 529 plans, especially anybody who gets a 529 plan usually ends up hating them, right? Because they, uh -huh. they have no control over the investments. It's always based on the age of the kid and it's always gambling in the stock market, which, you know, already we've seen like a 7% drop in six weeks in the stock market. Right. You know, that's, that's gambling. Right. So for a lot of people, they're using this as their 529 replacement. Uh, I even got a guy that's a influencer in the real estate space and stuff. And he's like, Hey, I pay my kids 12,000 a year tax free through my business. Can I just run their income and then pay it into the policy for them? And then they can invest it however they want, or we can invest their money however we want. Right. I said, yep, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's a lot of cool creative things you can do now. You talked about debt, right? Um, so here's my, my general rule of thumb with this okay. is that I leverage bank debt, cheap bank debt specifically, as much as I can, right? So okay. when you mentioned car loans, getting a mortgage, things like that, you know, even on investment properties, I will do that all day long. I'll get as much as I can from the bank for those cheap rates. Okay. Um, anything I can't, like a down payment on a property, then I use this for that, right? Okay. Uh -huh. um, that's what I'll use this money for. But uh, the problem I've seen with like the infinite banking world is they try to teach you uh, now paying off high interest credit cards. Like you said in the beginning, great makes sense. But the problem is there's this, this lie being taught in the infinite banking world saying that when you pay off a debt with this, you just pay yourself back the interest, right? That is 100% false. You do not pay yourself back the interest. What they're trying to tell you is whatever payment you would make to the bank, just make yourself to rebuild that savings, right? right or right. essentially paying down the line of credit you got, but you are still technically getting a loan. You know, even if you don't right. have to make monthly payments, you are getting a loan. So like most companies, they're going to charge you like five, 6% right. for getting this insurance line of credit, right? Unless you get, if you get the numbers up there a little bit, then you can get these bank lines of credit as low as 3% right now. Right. But, uh, but yeah, you can actually go and, and, and you're going to be paying five or six. Well, why would I pay five or six percent to an insurance company when I could pay three percent to the bank for that car loan? Right. Right. That doesn't right. make sense to me. Okay. So I don't use it for that at all. Like so, that whole you know little myth they teach you about you pay yourself back. That is just that's just because they don't have enough confidence knowing that this is a this is a great vehicle to use, and so they try to spin it in a way that makes it untrue, right? Okay. And then, and now that's why people get pissed off. <laughs> that's why they're like, wait, this is what I bought or what I thought it was going to be. Uh -huh. But yeah, you can definitely use this again to pay off debt. High interest stuff makes sense, but yeah, leverage the banks for the cheap money. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Good to know. Good perspective. Um, cause yeah, like what I was thinking was, so for, for just to, I I've had my first policy and mm -hmm. I bought it last year <coughs> and you know, I was only putting in like 400 bucks a month, right? Like it was, that was as much mm -hmm. as I could afford at the time, whatever. And, and so it's accrued over, you know, a year and a half or whatever. Well, I, I had enough in there that I could take a loan out for it for, to just yeah. pay, pay the last like couple thousand dollars on my car. And I thought, you know, just, just to test it, just to see, you know, how like the whole process works with this provider who I'm using for my mm -hmm. policy and so forth. I just want to see how it worked. So I took out the yeah. full amount of the loan that I could 
which was like $4,200, paid off this little car, and and now I've got it back on paying it, or, you know, I've got it uh, recurring back, paying it back, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, like you said, I believe the money I took out is at 5%, and so what I did was I paid back at 6%. Right. With that idea that as, mm-hmm. you pay, as you pay a loan down, you know, more goes towards principal than interest and so on. And so yeah. in that respect, you know, as long as the way I see it and, and again here, correct me if I'm wrong or, you know, I'm, I'm open to your uh, your thoughts. But in my in my mind, I'm thinking, well, as long as I'm paying myself back at a higher interest rate uh, than what the the policy loan is, then I'm mm-hmm. st- then I'm still going to come out on top more or less, right, in my ability to yeah. really capture that interest. Would you, would, does that sound accurate? I mean, would you agree with that thought process? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it would be slower because if, if it was a lower rate with your bank, yes. then doing that same thing, you would have paid off the loan faster, right? Uh, um, then you would use an insurance company with a higher interest rate. So the rates, the way they charge interest, still simple interest, whether you look at the, you know, a loan through a bank or through the insurance company, it's the same. Uh-huh. But the one advantage is at least you're not required to make a monthly payment with the insurance policy, right? That's that's the one advantage you do have by using that method, right? Because um, you say, hey, if if I had a horrible month, especially if you're, you know, an entrepreneur where if, you know you have good months and not so good months, yes, you might want that flexibility, uh, right. and that's and that's why I, when I argue with a, with a popular infinite banker, like uh, we're going back and forth here, I said, hey. I just found out this is like 10 years ago. I just, I just found out you don't really pay yourself back the interest, you know? Uh-huh. And, uh, and we went and we went back, back and forth and he finally said, yeah, I agree, Chris. He's like, the only thing I would say, Chris, is maybe the one advantage is what if somebody doesn't want something on their credit or they just don't want to owe a bank. And uh-huh. I said, well, technically the insurance company becomes your bank, but I get it. Like you don't have that required monthly payment. It's not on your credit anymore. You skip a payment. You're not in trouble. Right. Yeah. Uh, with the insurance company because there there's nothing like that it's not on your credit so right. so that that is an advantage okay. but um but but the way i like it is the fact you just want to try it out just to say hey let's just see how this works how does it respond when you do that i think that's great okay. i think it's worth the education yeah i mean that's kind of the way i felt i was like you know before i go and and take this and you know drop you know 50 grand into a real estate deal or something i just want to see what mm-hmm. the process is and and it was good to see because yeah. the my provider the way they work it out in the beginning is is they 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 cut you a check and i'm like well this is dumb mm-hmm. you know this is it's 2022 for crying out loud like you guys are seriously <laughs> going to send me a paper check you know and so i called yeah. them up and i said hey what's this all about and they said well you know if you want to get uh if you want to get direct deposit you know you just have to fill out this form and then we'll kind of avoid a check yeah exactly so yeah. they're like so well then we'll just deposit into your account i said okay well that's better because i was i was like there's no way i want to continue <laughs> with you guys if you guys are going to be sending me paper checks all the time you know to Yep. So, like I said, I just want—I had to figure out what their process for doing it was. Yeah, can you imagine? I have—I have one client. He's an orthodontist in New Mexico, and he—he uh, he finally built his up to over a million bucks in just four years. And wow. he's like, "Okay, I finally got a deal. I'm going to do. I'm going to put eight hundred thousand dollars in this syndic- this apartment syndication." And I was like. Okay, you want that as a check? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, just kidding. Like, obviously, you're not mailing eight hundred thousand dollars check, right? Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, we need we need a direct, we need to make sure that's a direct deposit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That uh, eight hundred thousand dollars check would be a little uncomfortable. I wouldn't be totally comfortable with that. Okay. Nope. Oh, wow, this is awesome. Um, do you have any other? What do you what do you what do you want to talk? What do you want to say, Kyle? Kyle's over here. He, I can just see in his eyes. He has something he wants to say. <laughs> well, 
it's probably something we'll talk off air or I'll probably have to set a point with you because I'm mind bogged. I'm what's the word I'm looking for? Mind boggled. That's not the word. I don't know. Then. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, anyways, mind this blown. is fascinating. Yes. Fascinating information. Um, it kind of changes my thought process on infinite making, not completely, but I guess we'll probably set an appointment to talk more. Um, but I think we talked about it at first, um, in closing, where can we find, where can everyone else find you and set up an appointment or learn more from you? Yeah. Easiest way is just go to moneyripples.com. That's M O N E Y R I P P L E S.com. Go there. We actually have a section on infinite banking, uh, which links to our YouTube playlist. So you can see a bunch of infinite banking videos. Um, and there's even a contact us page. You can just reach out to us through there. Okay. Great. Well, thanks for thanks for being on, Chris, and we'll see you on their side in just a second. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you found value in it, please share it with someone you know who is looking for ways to generate extra income. New episodes come out every Friday. If you want to know the second they are available, hit that subscribe button and leave us a review about how today's episode will increase your cash flow or get in touch with us on our website at doyoucashflow.com.